0: Welcome to Elder Voices, a four-episode podcast of stories and ideas from elders and about elderhood from within Mi'kmaq, African Nova Scotian, Acadian, and Gaelic communities. For those of us in Anglo-settler communities who have lost the tradition of elderhood, this is an invitation to listen, learn, and remember. For all of us, these voices will offer a window into ways of life in Mi'kma'ki that are different from our own. I am Amanda Bostland, and this is a project of How We Thrive. Elder Voices was made possible through the Department of Seniors and Long-Term Care and was recorded and produced in Mi'kma'ki, the ancestral and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people. We are all treaty people. During this episode, we meet with the Mi'kmaq elder, Albert Marshall, I had the pleasure and honor of spending some time with him around his table at his home in Eskasoni this fall. Albert Marshall is internationally known for his work on two-eyed seeing. Two-eyed seeing is an approach which uses both Indigenous and Western lenses to broaden perspectives and work towards solutions together. You'll hear Elder Albert first talking about who is considered an elder, and he refers to his late wife, Elder Merdina Marshall, who shared and documented teachings about the seven sacred gifts of life, as understood by the Mi'kmaq people.
1: I just have to use and rely on my late wife, Medina, when she documented those seven guiding principles. Love, honesty, humility, truth, respect, and patience and wisdom in which he would say that every seven years we go through this physical, cognitive, emotional, spiritual transformation, every seven years. And after so many years When you continuously are aware of those guiding principles, then your spiritual awareness comes into play. And if you continue living by these seven guiding principles, people will then see that you are living the kind of life that's destined for all of us to live, then you would be bestowed with an honor of being called an elder. I for myself I cannot call myself an elder because I would be violating humility. Mm. So that title has to be given by the community if I self-proclaim it I'm just tooting my own horn and I really don't know how can we change that because currently with my salt and pepper hair and my wrinkled face would somehow let me a title of an elder but what about someone that has spent their entire life on, on hurting people, hurting nature? And obviously they have not agreed or come, come to a point in which not only they are sorry, but they are not willing to reconcile their actions either. Do we call Hitler? Hitler didn't get old, but had he got old, would we call him an elder? No. An old man, yes, advanced years. But that title is only, not based on your age, but based on your character. Not what your and reputation too, a little bit, I guess, you know, but character. So if you have, if you have lived a good life by using love and compassion, and using the gift that you have been given for the benefit of all, then I think, you know, it's only right that you will be acknowledged with that honor and title of being referred to as an elder. But this, I think, initially, I think, you know, rather than write out a definition of what of an elder allow ones that are well grounded into that to send a message to their actions and what an elder is. Humility is the key. Because to maintain humility in in harmony you can't allow your your mind, your your, your ego to overwhelm you because Your mind is hardwired to appease your physical needs without without being able to differentiate what is moral, what is not immoral, what is right, what is wrong. It's just hardwired to appease, but you got your spirit, your soul, whatever you want to call it, to balance that, that your actions or your your, your words or whatever are going to be in harmony. So you have that prerogative to balance off, mm-hmm. not just to allow your mind to completely control you, but allow your spirit or your soul, whatever term we want you, you're comfortable with, to get you in balance again. Because I often say that, not that I believe in devils, but I often say I got a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. It's the angel that keeps me straight. Devil is telling me to do it. That it's gonna, it's gonna help you. It's gonna benefit. It's gonna make you feel good.
0: You know? Right. S- so, so, would you say being being an elder is partly being able to to balance that and also to well, show- ba- and to
1: live it. So, instead of vocalizing everything, which is not possible anyway, so you're trying to instill an example to to others to your examples. And the example is how you live, how you portray yourself, how you react with others. Those are your signatures of what what we are all supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And just like any, uh, I mean, it's just like we take anything in, whether it's hockey. I cannot select myself to be the captain of the team. The team has to give me that.
2: Hmm.
1: If you want, if you're if you're studying to be something in your studies, you need your PhD. But you cannot give yourself that PhD. You got you got to do something. Other people can see that you're you're entitled to this title. And right down the line either either order in Canada or any of those elite recognitions someone is giving you that because they feel that they they see something good in you now why can't we apply that to uh, to a person that you feel should be referred to as an elder internally we don't have to you know say why but you know and that itself would end in, in some form of a manifestation. Because manifestation can happen both ways, good or bad. Mm-hmm. So, the prime objective of transferring somebody's knowledge to the younger generation, it's not so much through the exchange of words, but rather through their, through their examples. Mm-hmm. How did, how do people learn? examples that you are putting forth.
0: Can you um, share with us a time that you remember when you realized that people were (coughs) recognizing you as an elder?
1: Well, many many years ago, people came here with an eagle feather and by Giving me the eagle feather and extending their appreciation for whatever whatever I would have shared or contributed. Not necessarily saying now you're now an elder. But that's one of the indicators, indication that when people come together to honor someone, not for what they have achieved, for what they are contributing, then that translates as being. I don't even know what year that was, but it was done by the people from Unamagi, Cape Breton. Because for whatever reason, geography in our favor, without preaching about it, I only know this much of who I am as a Mi'kmaq person. But to capture the essence of who we are, you have to hear it from so many others, because each and every one of us has certain parts of that gift. So here in Cape Breton, for example, we we made it a point from day one that if we're going to be sharing our knowledge, Eskasoni cannot kind of come forth, but include the other four reserves as well. So, a certain number of Sami who here would come together and start talking about Mi'kmaq traditional knowledge, whatever that may be, because without talking about it, you know, saying, you know, no one. It's impossible for one person to know everything. That can, that can go right, right down the line. In any, any subject, really. Mm-hmm. So, collective. I guess is the key. If I can give you this and that, as an individual, it may not. It may not be as much as if the whole group gives you something.
2: Mm-hmm
1: then you know you're re-empowered.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And whether you are cognizant of those seven guiding principles, because who in the hell can live without love? How can you live without honesty or truth? Why, you know, how come we cannot be humble? Why cannot we be truthful and, and be honest? And why cannot we be patient? And once all those are combined, then, as I said, you're uh, you become aware. Your spiritual awareness is, is is awakened. And as you continue as you continue to live by those principles, then you're now going on a journey of ultimately working. With wisdom, again, what is wisdom? It does not, not only fit into one, one area, but it, it involves everything. But with wisdom, it's a lifelong, it's a lifelong journey, because wisdom is something that. Unlike knowledge, knowledge might help individuals or collectively we have, We can have some role on what kind of knowledge we're sharing. depends on how well you can transmit it, or I can be a best conduit to it. But wisdom is something in which it's going to be for the benefit of all. And that benefit of all does not mean benefit for humanity. But anything that's going to benefit our very existence, which includes every living, every living form, and by respecting it and appreciating it, I think, you know, it's part of a very small component of what wisdom is. Mm. So, "sudwaran" is a word for wisdom in my language. I don't have to elaborate anymore what that word "sudwaran" means, because it's a common understanding of what it means. But unlike English language, it requires clarification, explanation, or convincing. That's a difficulty. Mm. Um, Part of that eldership is people to exercise the gift that they have been given and reminding myself that it's impossible for I to know everything. So you might be exceptionally knowledgeable on medicines, on ceremonies, stories, etc., and if a person is that exceptionally gifted, then you're practicing humility by consulting with that person or getting into a relationship with that person. Because, again, it's not a fine line of just exchanging, but rather how they deal with, say, in this particular gift they have, let's say medicines. It's not just knowing the composition of this plant and what that plant can do for you, do for an individual, but more so of acknowledging that plant of having a certain gift. And you can see and hear how much time they spent of making sure that plant going to be respected, appreciated, and loved, and taken care of, because the more that plant is well, the better chance it's going to do what it has to do. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We're so accustomed to only communicating orally, Mm -hmm. and we have lost other forms of communication. I agree, though, that uh, technology is not something that you can really detect only one-on-one.
2: Mm.
1: Because it's not the content that you are sharing, but there's other indicators as well. Your facial, your gestures, your your movements will convince me that you are totally committed or convinced to that. Mm. So. Relationship, again, is the key. Now, we have no problem with this because with technology, sometimes we need it. We need it in lieu of, for example, this virus called COVID-19 or whatever it is. It was essential for us to stay away from each other. But we didn't want to cut off the communication either. So we adapt this technology to transcend our messages.
2: Hmm.
1: And even today, demographically, we need technology to transcend some of the messages to the younger generations. Because in reality, it would be impossible to, to do it otherwise. Out of 112,000 of us here in the territory, and low percentage of the knowledge holders that have the language, even if we had unlimited amount of physical resources, we wouldn't be able to utilize all those all those uh, knowledge holders, because we have to factor the condition that they may be in. They may not be able to travel as, as e- readily as anyone else. Mm-hmm. So by using technology, we can take that technology to them in their own environment and still be able to uh, hear whatever they have to do to the audiences, no matter where they may be. And it would, it would actually transcend much more broadly because, again, I can be in Timbuktu, and everyone could be logged in, no matter where they are, without, they, without them ever leaving their house. Or they can even talk to me in their pajamas, and it wouldn't matter, but normally they'll have to dress up, you know what I mean? Mm. So technology has its purpose.
0: Can I just ask a clarifying question when you say knowledge holders are are all elders considered knowledge holders?
1: Yes, they're, they're holding knowledge in which they are exceptionally knowledgeable of.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not the total knowledge that we need
2: mm-hmm.
1: because again, it was designed that I would be given certain knowledges and you given certain other knowledges, but by us entering into a relationship, we can share those knowledges. Yes. So it's not a total knowledge that we need, but, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it components that we need in which it will reinforce or strengthen what we already know and what we need to know.
0: And are there knowledge holders that might not be elders?
1: Well, yes. Um, people that have been raised by their grandparents are exceptionally keen of being knowledge holders, because they've heard it over and over again. And they're now willing to share it, what they have learned. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily elders, but you know, like, families that somehow manage to share, transfer their their culture to the next generation. And I and I say that to Merdina because we lived in the city for a long time in the, in states, and we just know other to make my speakers there. But the language need not suffer because we're not we're not on a community anymore. So the language then was, was part of their lives, maybe in a, in a, in a, in, a, in a much closer environment, and today. I guess you know. I can see the results because that's why I believe our culture was so heavily grounded on on this concept of being a matriarchal system. Because when you look at a woman, a woman is not only a life giver but also a cultural giver. They're the ones that do all the nurturing, physically cognitively, emotionally, and spiritually to that child. That was inherent to the woman, mm. that her role was to pass on that part of who they are to their offspring. And if that's done consistently, then the language is never compromised. Mm. Now, luckily, I can say that with maybe one or two but all my great grandchildren are all fluent in me, in in the culture, mm. and I think that has helped them to be a better human beings because they now who they now know who they are. Wow! You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not a it's not one way or the other, mm. and if it's a intercultural, whatever, then a the man's role is to balance that well, not only the ma- male energy, but any, the knowledge of that male's identity to, to provide equal knowledges between the two cultures. Mm. You know, because years ago it was much easier because there were very so few intermarriages. And um, I say that as hard as it was, that the white race couldn't degrade themselves to marry a native guy, because whatever whatever it was. But now that's not happening anymore. Now there's more intermarriages now. So, But what happens now, though, is that the man completely succumbs to the woman, and they completely leave their culture, language and, and outside. Mm. And they will only allow their children to be taught in English.
0: Well, I really appreciate you sharing this with us in English. Yes. <laughs> because obviously we, this is the only right. language we understand. But I'm wondering, if is there something you'd like to say in Mi'kmaq so we can hear it at least, even if we won't understand it?
1: Well, Sadmo am Ahm, ich war meggy de moog. Geb mi dee de Sespe de moog, ach, melk de moog. Dantel iso tiki Und da what time I I Da kino Iusu Iglasius Tigamuspa man Kistla was studies no bilwek bilwek to demina Catalwin Ludano chicks the garden da winning keel Ach Dawin in Keel dan dan telisin Basically, the message is that maintain, return, retain, enhance of your own identity. And the fundamental principles of that rooted in your language, because it's through the language that not only sets the course of action on how you should live on here while you are here, and in that language would also continuously remind you that love, compassion, has to be our overarching objective, because without love and compassion... How can you appreciate anything, and how can you appreciate others? But if you allow love and compassion to be the overarching, then you will be much more compassionate, you'll be much more patient, and be much more eager to ensure that you respect that person, who they are, and how they not only how they carry themselves, but how they how they convey their own ways of being. So I believe again the overarching message is that invoke in our own ways of what this concept of Eduaptimago I Seen means. Because it really means that You look at everything from another perspective. You're not questioning in most cases the integrity of it, but rather, how do I enhance it? how do I fine-tune it, so that I, as an individual, can mold that into my understanding, into my language, not only to better understand it, but also to be, if there's any action required, I can be just as much of a key player into that, into that action as everyone else. And I think that translates to what it was like, what life should be all, should be all about. It's to find a way how to, how to live in love and compassion and in harmony, hmm. so that we can better encode them and take care of our source of life, which is Mother Earth. Thank you. It is not only my privilege, but also my responsibility. Have you ever heard this explanation that how we look upon knowledge? Knowledge is alive physically and spiritually. And we all should know, and we all do know, that knowledge will transform us one way or the other. But over and above that, we also have a responsibility of sharing it.
0: Thank you for listening to Elder Voices, a project of how we thrive. This Elder Voices podcast is leading us into the next phase of our project, which is to host facilitated learning circles where interested folks can make sense together of the lessons and insights from the people we've met. If you may like to be involved in these discussions, please send me a note at the email address amanda at howwethrive.org or sign up for the e-newsletter at the bottom of the website, howwethrive.org. We look forward to you joining us for the other three episodes of Elder Voices.